Welcome to the Soul Talks podcast, where we equip pastors, leaders, and other men and women in ministry to thrive with Jesus in their life and leadership. Now let's join Bill and Christy Galtier, doctors in psychology, spiritual directors, and founders of Soul Shepherding. Are you ready for a Soul Talk? Christy and I are, and we are so glad to be in conversation with you. Today we are going to be talking about quiet prayer for deeper joy, Enneagram soul care. So this is especially for you if you are an Enneagram 7 or in relationship with a 7, but all of us will love this talk because we all can glean from the Enneagram 7s and their path to quiet prayer for deeper joy. And we want to give a shout out to our friends, Carl and Lisa Pack, both counselors and consultants, great friends. And they sent us a text this morning. They had referred our book to a friend who's an Enneagram 7, and she had sent them a picture of our book and her Bible. And she was going through each of the examples in scripture that we give in Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith of Jesus as a healthy seven and writing a number seven by that scripture passage to help her to remember to see Jesus as a healthy seven there. So I loved that idea. Thanks, Carl and Lisa, for your friendship and enthusiasm about healthy feelings. So what, what are those bullet points? We, we Give us some of the sweetness right now, right yeah, off the top. Okay, Jesus is a healthy seven. He invites us to leap with joy with him, even in his trials, which we see him doing in Luke 6, 23. And then in John 2, 1 to 11, we see Jesus at the wedding party where he turned the water into wine and he was blessing the celebration. And probably dancing. I, I love to imagine so. that. Yep, that's right. And then, we, well, we see him in Matthew 9, 10 is one example of him going to parties to eat and drink and, and socialize and have fun. And then what about in Matthew 19, playing happily and affectionately with the children, entering into the joy of that? There's many other examples in Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. But I love that, seeing the joy of Jesus, a healthy seven, free, having fun, embracing the pleasures of life. Well, we want to thank all of you who have written a review for Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith on Amazon or wherever you have bought the book and want to give a shout out to Pecoroni who wrote a review on Amazon and said, this book is such an interesting read. I love experiencing the Enneagram from a spiritual formation perspective. Bill and Christy have taken the the complexity of the Enneagram and made it user friendly. I have many friends who are not fans of the Enneagram who love this book. What I found refreshing were the soul care practices at the end of each chapter, as well as the unique examples used to facilitate understanding of each type. I stayed engaged through each chapter and found myself thinking of individuals I knew who would benefit from reading the book. As a relational coach and therapist, this is a terrific resource to foster personal growth and spiritual development. I've given away several copies to friends and colleagues. I highly recommend Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith. Thank you, Pecoroni. Oh, that's such a blessing to read that. We are so honored when you buy the book and you go on and make a review because it really makes a difference in the algorithms. It shows the book to more people. It encourages other people to get it. And the more people that get it, the more people that are enthralled with Jesus and grow in his likeness, his health, and grow in his ability to love others through understanding this great tool for for empathy and growth. So thank you so very much, all of you. And thank you for being generous to buy this book and give it to friends too. Christy, it's so fun to be meeting people as we speak in churches and 
uh, different podcasts that we've been on. And we were just on your Enneagram coach with Beth McCord. And we were on the Jesus Calling podcast and with Ian Crone on typology and all the different people we get to meet and, and are interested in our book. And it's just been really a lot of fun conversations. So thank you for your prayers and thank you. We, we need your prayers. Continue to pray for us that we just are able to move with God's spirit of grace and truth as we continue to share what he's so graciously taught us. Yeah, and for us, it's not about selling books. It's about inviting people to Jesus and through soul shepherding. And so we're engaging people with the ministry of soul shepherding, helping people like you who are listening, people who are leaders and, and helpers and caregivers and teachers and counselors and spiritual directors and pastors and missionaries and want to give you a tool to be more uh, empathetic, more prayerful, more helpful to the people in your life. Yes. So we get to talk about the sevens. They are enthusiastic people. They are people that it's it's fun for them to get to give. They tend to be generous and inclusive to invite people in. So that's what we're kind of doing this on this little talk right here at the start, Bill. Yeah, we'll talk a little bit about what Enneagram sevens feel. Uh, as you know from the book, if you've read it, we'd look at the Hebrew idioms for each of the Enneagram types, uh, going back into the scripture. And the sevens are in the head triad. The core emotion there is anxiety. And the Hebrew word for anxiety means darting back and forth. And I think that Enneagram sevens do a lot of that. They got a lot of energy and they are just moving around like energizer bunnies back and forth all over the place. And uh, we, we love the, the fun of that, the uh, planning uh, and putting on of parties. We're going to be at a party this Saturday by an Enneagram 7. Our daughter uh, is be the first birthday celebration for our youngest granddaughter, a grandchild. Uh, we have four littles. I can hardly believe we have four grandchildren. It seems like these should be our own kids. But we have four grandchildren. And so the youngest one, it's her birthday party. And so it'll be an incredible party with, of course, the, the birthday cake, but all kinds of party favors, all kinds of fun and joy and music and games and special uh, dresses and, and uh, themes. and Indulgence and pleasure galore. <laughs> yeah, we'll be doing a lot of darting back and forth, That's, but yeah. with great joy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she does this very well. She loves to plan the next fun thing. And so it's one party after another, one celebration after another. I was just amazed even just seeing what she did. Our our oldest granddaughter lost her first tooth this week and what she did to celebrate that. Even mm. It's just over and above what anything I could ever have planned or imagined. And that is something that enthusiasts and Neagram 7s are always thinking to plan. How can it be more fun, mm-hmm. more joyful, more, more special? Now, I have a special affection for the sevens, not only because of our, our daughter and so many friends and people uh, that are sevens, but as an Enneagram One, my growth line is to the healthy seven. So uh, the theory of the Enneagram that we teach is that every type has a number that's a consolation point, a growth point that you especially need to learn from in order to be more healthy and more loving in your type. And so for us ones, it's the seven. We need the the joy, the spontaneity, the pleasure, the playfulness, the fun of sevens. And I've gotten to enjoy the benefit of you when you're in your healthy seven, the way that you pursued me, the way that you proposed to me, the ways that special holidays sometimes you've 
celebrated me out of your healthy seven and made special plans for us that are, are just so fun and enjoyable. And that's been really healing for me because it makes me feel wanted, which is my wound as a two. So that's been a great thing. And yet the sevens, they like all of us, they have a root sin. They have a downside too. And uh, they have a kryptonite. They have something that also can be hard and painful to look at. They don't want to. They want to avoid pain. So yeah. it takes a really healthy seven to be willing to look look beyond these fun things we're celebrating and talking about to some of the pain. Yeah, sevens have such an incredible gift of being happy and making people happy and just bringing uh, incredible woo and winsomeness and charm and it's a wonderful thing, and yet, like all of us, the strength can get overplayed. And so they have a way of misusing that charisma and that happiness to avoid pain and conflict and problems. And so that gets sevens in trouble. I've talked to a number of seven leaders like pastors who are having trouble dealing with the problems and the pain that's going on in the church or in the staff or in their family, their organization. And when you, when you sweep stuff under the rug and you just kind of go on with making things more happy, it'll work for a while until it doesn't work. And then everything is going to hit the fan. And it's, that's difficult for, for us when uh, it's difficult for the sevens when, when that happens. One of those underlying dynamics that they're trying to avoid too is the feeling bored. Mm-hmm. And so they can get feeling quite antsy and that can fuel their always looking to plan, to think about what could be fun. They get a lot of pleasure from thinking through ideas of fun and the next fun vacation or a trip. So that is something. But if you continue to avoid doing the work of dealing with pain, then they can find the anxiety starting to really surface or they can overplay their strength to the point that they take on too much, do too much, and it creates a lot of chaos and anxiety. Yeah, and remember when we use the word anxiety, we talk about anxiety is repressed emotion. And that's the way we unpack it in our book, is that uh, when you are anxious, it's because there's some underlying emotions, needs, problems, stuff going on in your life, your relationships, that, that um, is not going well and you're distressed about but you don't want to feel it and so you're trying to hold that proverbial beach ball underwater and there's a lot of pressure for that to pop out so eventually it will when it does oftentimes they will resist that anxiety and try to distract but the opportunity for them is to be able to really turn away from that self-indulgence that that roots in and to begin to rely on Jesus to not go and stress to the the line to the one and get angry or judgmental or perfectionistic trying to fix things. Yeah, that's where the stress emotion for Enneagram sevens is anger. And so, yeah, they can, I've been with some sevens. It's like, wow, it seems like they're more one-like and I'm more seven-like. It's because we're in a different space. And if I'm relaxed, I can be more like a seven. And if a seven's in a place of stress, they can be more like a one. And so, yeah, they can get critical or judgmental about what's pro- what's the problems are and sort of blaming and um, without realizing it, we all do this in different ways probably, but they can sort of make themselves look good by uh, venting and frustrating and uh, complaining about somebody else 
because they're, they're trying to find the happy. They're trying, trying to find the, because for them, being happy is like being alive. The, 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 they don't really, uh, it's just o- overwhelming to face what is wrong or bad or hurts or is unhappy. Yeah, so they their defense mechanism is idealization, looking at the ideal, the happy side, the joyful side, the positive side of everything, and trying to make and reach for more of that. But then in the stress, when that's not working, they can go to that judgment of the one. And and we live on our lines. That's one of the reasons why we wrote your Enneagram map to go with Healthy Feelings, Driving Faith as a, as a deeper dive or as a next step or as concrete practical application more is because we do live on our lines to our stress number and our health number. And it's helpful to understand that. Well, this is really in many ways my favorite thing about the Enneagram because it's understanding personality in a relational way. It's not boxy. We're, we're understanding the relationship between the numbers, between the types, between people representing those numbers, and between within my own self, I have more than one type or space that I might move into, even though I have a, we all have a home type, we believe. But yeah, so for the seven, they might have a, a six wing or a five wing or both. Uh, they, they have that line to the one that we're talking about in stress where they can get perfectionistic and critical. And then when they're relaxed and they're sort of in their healthy self, they have that line to the healthy five that's the observer, which is where we're going in this podcast because that speaks to the, the title of this podcast, Quieter, Quiet Prayer for Deeper Joy. And so though that's five types that potentially are within the realm of an Enneagram 7. And knowing that is super helpful. And then leaning into that is actually a great opportunity because when we have options for how to function, how to relate in our life, and that's what personality presents is in subsidiary personalities present is options. And so different situations, we can call on different gifts, different lenses to, to uh, look at the situation, different ways of responding. And Listeners, we want you to understand your Enneagram map is not on Amazon. The only place you can purchase that if you're wanting that is from soulshepherding.org shop uh, because we self-published that book just mostly at first for our own spiritual directors because we've used those practical tools so much in spiritual direction and ministry. But we're finding many people wanting both because they go together so well. Yeah, so if you're a seven, the story of a seven oftentimes is in their family formation. They, they grew up as a cheerleader. Some of that might just have been just genetics. They're just born with a, a great winsomeness. And I remember our seven daughter, one of our friends who is a seminary professor and Bible student and theology scholar, he, he looked at our daughter and said, she doesn't have a sin nature because she was just happy and all peaceful time. all yep. the time. Yep. Yeah, he was just joking about that, but it, it was really true in terms of just that she just didn't uh, have any problems about stuff. She just as a baby, as yeah. a baby. But yeah. then as she got a little older, we started to see it manifest that uh, constant desire for stimulation and more pleasure and more joy and sneaking the cookies in the candy sure, <laughs> and yeah. wanting more of that, the pleasure and the fun and not having trouble waiting and all of those things we began to start to see manifest in her personality, even at a young age. So let's talk about the emotional alarm for sevens. How do they get into that space of being more like Jesus and being healthier, getting balanced between all the the joy they, they want and, and bring, but then also dealing with the reality of problems in their life? 
So the emotional arm for sevens is wandering attention because for the seven, the grass is always greener on the other side. And so they're always looking for the next thing that's fun or special or impactful or new or exciting. And then uh, it, it might be a surprise if you don't know the Enneagram well, the sevens are actually head types. So even though they have all this woo and positive emotion, they're fundamentally a head type. They're fundamentally think then feel type. And so they're all about thinking in order to have pleasure. They like to plan their parties, plan their events. Uh, happiness is having a ticket, a seven says. They, they always want a ticket or multiple tickets for what's coming up next. And to be anticipating that, ideating around that is what makes them happy. In the world of work or, or ministry, uh, family, uh, as a parent, sevens want to have impact. And so they're looking for that, that influence, and uh, th- that's fun for them. And so then they're, they're planning and engaging around that. But it can cause them to be very scattered and very, very stressed, a lot of stress in their lives, a lot of balls in there they're juggling. And so one of the reasons why the line to the five is a growth line for them is they need to be able to learn to silence that busy brain to be able to get out of their head and all of that ideating and planning and to be able to be present to God and really focused. Yeah, and ironically, one of the ways they sort of get out of their head is to get healthy in their head, which is the healthy five is embodying a place of quiet and silence and groundedness uh, within their, their their physical body to, to practice the discipline of silence, maybe to be alone, to turn off all the music and the phone and all the stuff that's beeping and buzzing and get in a quiet place, even just for a, a moment, and to s- settle in. That's what helps sevens to find their best self and get in touch with their emotion and their needs. So the spiritual discipline of silence is key for our Enneagram sevens. And yet uh, it is a discipline because they're, they're so afraid of missing out. If they, they turn off their phones, they disconnect, they, what, what pleasure might they miss out on? What stimulation might they miss out on? What new idea might they miss out on? And yet the invitation is to be with Jesus, the master of idea, the one who really gives them that ability of peace and calms their anxiety. So seven says, um, but it's boring to be quiet. And uh, I have so many fun things to do and I have so many ideas and that's not having any impact. That's not fun. That's not productive. And other types might say similar things. So well, and that you, fear of being trapped, trapped that they get bored. Yeah, so what do you say to the seven to appetize them? How, how do we help them see that not actually quiet prayer helps you have more joy? Yes, well, we know from, from watching children that overstimulation makes a child very cranky. It stresses them that we have the diagram in Your Best Life in Jesus' Easy Yoke of optimal stress. We can have too much stress or we can have too little stimulation. What we want is the optimal. And so sevens tend to live at that too much. And so they need the silence to be able to bring it down in order to be present themselves in the presence of Jesus. 
Right. So the quiet prayer seems to us, especially to the seven, like it's a it's an absence, it's a void, it's it's empty and boring. Uh, but actually, it's a presence. Mm-hmm. It's the presence of God, uh, of beauty, of love. And so to, to let that wind of eternity just blow gently, uh, caress your cheek, and to realize, oh, I'm not, I'm not alone, and I have a, I have a soul. I like to say to sevens, because uh, I've learned this by experience, what's on the other side of boredom? And some of us never go there. We never find what's on the other side. What's on the other side is your soul. <laughs> uh, a feeling of aliveness and a depth and a groundedness. And so from that place, sevens are able to be so incredibly loving and effective in their work and their leadership because now they, they can bring into the, their ability to bring joy and to bless people, to affirm people and all these wonderful things, uh, giving... Uh, uh, wonderful parties and fun events and all that, but they can bring into that something that's, that's quieter, that's more reflective, that's more aware of other people, uh, tuning into other people with empathy and, and with grace in, in a deeper way, listening, being quiet and listening so that people feel cared for. Because sevens have in their heart, they want to do that, but they will tend to miss, they'll tend to miss that because they're so busy multitasking and going after the next idea, the next fun thing. One of the things that's really a fear for the seven, because sevens are a fear type, they're in the head triad, the high head triads are fear types, and one of those fears is that they won't be able to count on anybody to be there for them. And in the silence, they can learn that Jesus is there for them, always. And they can depend upon him, instead of trying to shield and defend themselves from not needing or depending upon somebody else and being let down because that person isn't able to be there for them. And the Samaritan woman at the well found this out. We tell her story in our book, but it's uh, so inspiring. Uh, We believe she was an Enneagram 7, and she had a hard life of being uh, married and divorced and dumped and a number of broken marriages. We don't know the whole story behind that, but she was viewed as being sexually un- sexually unfaithful and lived with shame, was pretty isolated, and was then uh, at the point that she meets Jesus, she'd been living with a man that she wasn't married to and coming to the well in the heat of the day because she didn't want to be around other people. And Jesus engages her in a conversation. And like many sevens, she's very, very curious, and she sort of banters with Jesus and uh he brings her into a place of refreshing living waters for her soul that at first is hard for her to believe, but he brings her to a quieter place, a more reflective place there by, by the well, and she discovers uh, through essentially quiet prayer that Jesus is the Messiah she's been longing for all her life, and even as a Samaritan woman, even as a, a, a woman who was essentially wearing the scarlet A for adultery in her culture, uh, Jesus, the Messiah, loves her, and this changes her life. And so she's exuberantly running from the well down the hill to Samaria, her city, and telling everybody in her town about Jesus and drawing them to Jesus. And Sevens make such wonderful evangelists. I just love how she got quiet in the presence of the Lord at the well 
and then found that it wasn't just um, water that she needed to drink or it wasn't just some exciting thing that would, would is what she really needed. It was living waters that would refresh her soul. And so she left her water jar behind. She left, symbolically, we could say she left sort of the unhealthy personality behind and she went all in with Jesus. Jesus, we just thank you so much that you have such empathy for our friends, your children, who are Negram Sevens, and that longing and need for contentment that's so elusive for them, and you are the one that satisfies. So we ask, Jesus, that you would continue to draw them to you, that they could encounter you in in a moment of silence to find that you are the one they've been searching for their whole lives. You are the one that satisfies their needs, that calms their anxious mind. Amen. Friends, head over to soulshepherding.org slash Enneagram, and we've got wonderful stuff for you. We have a free Enneagram and Emotions Assessment. For you and your friends, even if you've taken a different Enneagram assessment, this one is different because it helps you look at your emotions related to your personality, your relationships, and so you'll get a fresh look at your personality type and other other types that you relate to. And we also have a link to the, the book, Healthy Feelings, Thriving Faith, and the other book, your Enneagram map, and our video course, Enneagram and Emotions. That's like uh, Soul Talks on video. Christy and I have conversations about each of the Enneagram types and each of the core emotions, anger, shame, anxiety, and sadness. And you can also talk with one of our spiritual directors who's been trained in the Enneagram. So head on over to soulsharpening.org slash Enneagram. Thank you for joining us on the Soul Talks podcast. To find out more about growing in your life and leadership, subscribe to the podcast and visit us at soulshepherding.org. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram 